0: Welcome to episode 61 of the Cyber Guy Podcast. I am your host, retired FBI supervisory special agent, Darren Mott, and welcome to 2022. In this episode of the podcast, I'm going to kind of give a little background to why I'm even doing this podcast, and we're going to talk about some cyber news items. So as always, I want to thank uh, old and new listeners for taking the time to download and listening to the Cyber Guy podcast. Um, as we and welcome to 2022. As we look into the new year, um, i wanted to start off by revisiting a couple of things. We are since this is episode 61, uh, I wanted to kind of revisit for those people who haven't listened all the way back to the original podcast as to who I am why I kind of do this, uh, and then talk about some news, partially because I really don't have a guest for this week. I'm working on some guests moving forward, um, but I wanted to, you know, get a at least a podcast out into the new year so we can get things rolling into 2022, because just like 2021, the cyber threats are not abating. It is not getting any easier to go through the world from a cyber perspective, and your data is more valuable now than ever, and bad guys are trying to figure out the best ways that they can get access to it so they can and take your money, take your information, attack your corporate networks, do a whole host of bad stuff, uh, and we will talk a little bit about some of those examples going forward. But for those of you that are kind of new to the podcast uh, and maybe didn't go back and listen to episode one where I kind of uh, explained where I wanted, I just want to kind of revisit that just so for both old and new listeners, you kind of understand mm-hmm why I do these podcasts, my, my idea behind it, what it means for you and, and what I'm trying to, to really get out of it, which for me, it's helping people understand the cyber threats targeting them. So as I mentioned at the top of the, top of the podcast, I am a retired FBI special agent. Uh, for 20 years, I did cyber crime and counterintelligence for the FBI. The first 11 years was strictly cyber matters. I worked in the Charlotte field office doing cybercrime investigations, had a long-term undercover operation that targeted what was called the wearer scene at the time, people doing intellectual property rights theft all over the world. Uh, It was fairly successful, had a couple large takedowns. You can go back and listen, I think, episode four and and a couple other episodes that talk about um, that particular case. Uh, there's actually another podcast I was on, uh, Jerry Williams is a retired FBI agent and she does FBI case studies. Uh, so in September, October, so of 2019, I believe maybe November, 2019, I forget, but uh, on her podcast, I talked about the particular case and went into more detail. So, you know, feel free to go ahead and look at that, but I did that for 11 years. And then I moved into the counterintelligence world because there was a huge shift, uh, with FBI priorities in the late aughts, I guess, if you will, into the early 20-teens where there was obviously a realization that nation state actors were using their counterintelligence or their spy networks, they were using cyber tradecraft to perform spying duties through cyber means, which at this point in time, 2022, we're not really surprised that's the case. But at the time, there was, a, there was a, a realization that this was becoming a bigger issue. And I went back to headquarters, FBI headquarters, to try and kind of blend the cyber and counterintelligence fields uh, into a larger programmatic understanding of how to deal with those issues. So I did that for a while. I finished my career in the Huntsville Resident Agency of the Birmingham Division running a cyber squad, but was deeply involved in the cyber aspects that the the, the field office was doing as well. My, my squad had some cyber-oriented cases, so I, I continued to blend those two things. Prior to joining the FBI, I was a high school teacher. And I make that point simply because what I'm doing now is trying to blend those two disciplines, my educational background, my cyber security, or my cyber investigative and management background, into helping people understand or be better educated as to what the threats out there that they are that are targeting them trying to get their data. Everybody listening to this podcast, anybody who's ever listened to this podcast, anybody and everybody else who doesn't listen to the podcast is a potential cyber target by a variety of different cyber actors, be them cyber criminals, be them cyber hacktivists, be them nation state actors, cyber terrorists, pick a, pick a cyber threat and you are being targeted by those individuals or those entities in some way, shape or form, largely because you have information that is valuable to them. Now, you may say, I don't have any personal information that's valuable to anybody. I don't have a lot of money. They can't really steal a lot out of my bank account. It really wouldn't hurt me, whatever. But your network that you own, your home network, your, your corporate network, your business network, all of those things have value to to cyber bad guys uh, because they can use those networks to launch attacks remotely. Now, if you're a company and you don't do business in China, it is a good idea for you not to um, uh, have Chinese IP addresses, Internet Protocol addresses that attach to your network. That nothing good can really happen with that if you do not do active work in China. So, if you do do, if you do have um, parts of China you deal with, then you have to have some of that allowed that creates a whole host of other problems but the point being chances are if you're not doing business in China or Russia you don't allow those IP addresses to your network if you've got it configured correctly but bad guys know that you have plenty of US uh, IP addresses that connect to your network because you kind of have to do that for your business perspective Um, and that being said they will find networks domestically that they can access so that they can then get into the networks they want to get into. So, that is why I say your information is valuable, whether it be your personal information, your corporate information, your network information. You know, are, are nation state actors looking to hack into your home network? Not necessarily, but with. COVID occurring and more people working from home, that creates a huge new attack surface where bad guys are utilizing home networks to get access to corporate networks. So they they, they find a way to hack your home, be it through an Internet of Things device, be it through an email that you're not supposed to click on and you accidentally open, you go to a, you mistype in a website and go to a website that has what's called drive-by malware that just drops malware on your system without you really doing anything. Host of different ways bad guys get in. I have episodes that talk about those things. You can go back and listen to that. So, but um, my point being, my goal for this podcast is to make people better understand the threats targeting them so that they can assess their risk and proceed wisely online. Because as I say, at the end of every episode, knowledge is protection. The more you understand, the more you know, the safer you will be. I I have another podcast called, called Get Cyber Smart, which is a seven to 10 minute little informational email that I'm, I'm sorry, podcast that um, talks about different cyber topics just from an educational perspective. Again, taking that educational background and blending it with cyber, the cyber background. So that they get a little cyber smarter because you get a little cyber smarter, you get a whole lot cyber safer, blah, blah, blah. But the, the point being, I'm in both podcasts, I'm trying to educate folks. So this is this a larger, this is a longer form podcast because I try to bring in friends I have within the cyber industry, fellow FBI agents who have retired and talk about their history, um, cases that they've run. And so uh if you are listening to this podcast and you are in the cyber industry and you would like to be, uh, you like to be on the podcast, just let me know. I'm certainly happy to talk to anybody who's willing to to participate on the podcast. So just hit me up, Darren at thecyberguy.com, cyber spelled C Y B U R. And people have probably asked or wonder why is it called cyber C Y B U R? Well, in the FBI, um, we had short term. We had. I'm sorry. We had. Um, Names for certain items that were FBI related. So if you got a cell phone provided to you by the FBI, agents had cars that were assigned to them They could drive home. We called these BU phones, BU cars. The BU is a reference to Bureau as far as Federal Bureau of Investigation. So from a marketing perspective, I took cyber and used, instead of saying, spelling it B-E, I spelled it B-U. It still sounds like cyber, but it's it's the B-U stands for Bureau because of my relationship with the FBI. So that's why I spell cyber in all of my branded stuff, C-Y-B-U-R. So that is why that is there. If that's something you've wondered for a long time, and I haven't explained it since like really the first episode long ago. So that's that's why that is what it is. So again, my point here is... This podcast is designed to keep people safe because that's really my goal. I talked to thousands of people uh, over the course of my career in the cyber world, d- largely dealing with potential threats to their company, to their personal information, or they were victims outright. And most of them thought, this is not something, cyber is not some a cyber problem, a cyber crime is not something that's going to happen to me. That was probably the biggest thing I ever heard uh, until it did happen to them. And, I did a lot of outreach trying to prevent this so that people would not become victims. And so I'm no longer in that role, obviously. But now being able to do podcasts and and reach out to people this way, I'm trying to do the same thing by helping people not become victims of cybercrime. Or if they do become victims of cybercrime, hopefully they they get an understanding of where they can go to get help immediately. Because there's a lot of ways, if you are in the early stage of a cyber event, you can get in front of it and protect yourself. Uh, I'll give you an example um, kind of of this where the FBI tries to help businesses and companies stay safe, obviously, to not become cyber victims. At a company, um, their CIO called me and wanted to know if uh, a certain agent in the Birmingham division was who they said they were. He had contacted the company and said, we have belief that there is uh, a potential threat to your network. There are bad guys that are going to do a ransomware attack on your network because we have intelligence that indicates that the case. So call me back and you know I'll give you more information. So they got that message. So the CIO called me to confirm that this agent was who they said they were because the CIO knew another CIO who knew me personally. So I said, yes, that agent is an, a cyber agent out of the Birmingham division. You should listen to them and do whatever they say. Well, the CIO apparently didn't take what I said truthfully or whatever, didn't, didn't follow up what I said, because the cyber supervisor sent the CIO an email saying, here is information we have, and here are the files to look for on your system so you can remove them from your system and not become a victim. Well, that CIO still didn't even believe that email and decided to contact the special agent in charge of the Birmingham division to confirm we were all who we said we were, me, the other agent, the supervisor. Unfortunately, the intelligence we had was that the bad guys were already in their system, The CIO sent the email from within their system. The bad guys saw the email go out asking if all of this information was correct. When the CIO showed up the next day at work, their system was locked up because the bad guys had launched the ransomware attack. So ransomware doesn't always happen immediately. Bad guys try to stage the information on the networks. Um, So I say all this to make the point that my goal has always been to help people not become victims. But sometimes people who have the potential to become victims don't realize that, They don't necessarily um, looking out for their best interest because they still don't even believe when the FBI calls them, which is probably not a completely bad thing in the sense that you want to trust but verify, but. No offense to this particular CIO, but they verified three times and still didn't trust it. So at some point, you got to kind of trust that your verification is correct. So I say all that just to make the point that, you know, not, you know, people don't think cyber is going to happen to them. The CIO didn't think it would happen to them, and then it happened to them. So again, my point being, these podcasts are designed to help you educate, to better understand what the threats are. And hopefully, we have some good conversations with folks within the cyber world that, Um, give you a different perspective of aspects of the whole cyber thing that you may not have heard um, ideally elsewhere. Am I the only podcast that does it? Certainly I am not. There's plenty of other good podcasts out there. I highly recommend the Dr. Zero Trust podcast, Chase Cunningham. I've had him on the podcast twice. Um, He's got a little fiction book out there called Gabriel that's pretty good. If you like a thriller that's cyber focused, um, it's pretty, it's really good. And his podcast, very similar to this one, um, uh, and we kind of talk similar things, but he has a different perspective than I do because he comes from a different world. But there's certainly a lot of podcasts, and I appreciate those of you who take the time to listen to this one. So with that, that is kind of why I do what I do. Um, I will mention my other podcast, Get Cyber Smart, is, like I said, it's 7 to 10 minutes largely one topic per episode that ideally builds. It's a, kind of like a cyber 101 class. So if you want to learn about the threat, you want to learn about Internet of Things devices, you want to know what dark web is, there are all sorts of episodes. That's only 16 episodes long so far. I'm, I'm, I'm slowly building that one out. Um, but, you know, I you know, if you have family members that need more information on what cyber is, feel free to direct them to that as well. So with that, let's talk about a couple um, a couple of um, news items. The first one uh, kind of goes right to the point that I, I always make that that no one expects to be a cyber victim. So this is an article by Lisa Vass from January 7th, which was Friday, I believe. Uh, and it's cyber attackers hit the data of 80,000 fertility patients. So fertility centers of Illinois security Measures protected electronic medical records, but the attacker still got an extremely intimate data in admin files. So, the protected health information, which is called PHI, of nearly 80,000 patients of fertility centers of Illinois may have been pawed over by cyber intruders following a cyber attack. So, there's four clinics of this company in Illinois. And according to the U S department of health and human services, um, in a data breach reported on December 27th, it affected, impacted about 80,000 people. So I say all this just to make the point that regardless of what organization you work in, regardless of where you are, your data is important to someone. So you can probably say, why, why would people want this information? Well, um, Largely because whatever information they have could be mined for financial fraud, for identity theft, healthcare fraud. There's a whole lot of reasons they could get that information. I, I obvious, obvious, often pardon me, give an example of, of four large data breaches that taken independently. May not mean anything, but if you look at them collectively, they may mean a whole lot of stuff. So one is the Office of Personnel Management data breach in 2015. This is a a data breach that resulted in the personal information of pretty much anybody who ever worked from or who worked with or who worked for the government, U.S. government up until 2015, was taken by Chinese actors. So China has all this information about all these government workers, including some information on uh, their other family members, their kids, some of them got fingerprint information, all of that kind of stuff. So that's certainly bad. Then there was the Equifax data breach, which um, millions of people's financial information, or at least credit information, was compromised. There was the Marriott data breach, Uh, which resulted in personal information of Marriott customers and people who traveled being compromised. And then there was the Blue Cross um, Blue Shield Anthem data breach, insurance data breach, which resulted in people's health information being compromised. So taken separately, those are all bad things. But if we look at them collectively, so let's say China did all of those. Now I can say pretty certainly that China did OPM and Equifax. Those two are attributed to actors within and associated with the government of China. So if we take those two, and then we take Blue Cross Blue Shield, and we take Marriott and look at those things together. Let's say I am the country of China. I want to commit spy activity against the United States. The United States does it against China. Let's be honest. It's we, the spying happens everywhere. But China is very good at using cyber tradecraft to to commit espionage and to and to get people to spy against their better interest against their country. So now they have information about people who work for the government or have a clearance, not necessarily government employees but could be people who have clearances that work for, you know, clear defense contractors or whatever. They know their debt information, they now know their health information, they know if they travel. So let's say China wants to target Um, somebody within the FBI, and they know that that person or someone in their family has um, some form of aggressive cancer because of the Blue Cross Blue Shield data breach. They know that that person is in debt because of the Equifax data breach. And they know that they're traveling to Florida for vacation because they have um, a reservation with Marriott. Take all those four things into account. China can then target that person at their vacation Give them money to get them to commit espionage. I mean, there's a lot of stuff that has to go on for all of this to occur. But this shows the value in data information that particularly egregious bad actors can utilize for a lot of other things than you would think of besides just identity theft. So I make this point with the fertility clinic just to go to show that everyone can be a target. Everybody's information is important to someone, be it a criminal actor, be it a nation state actor what have you. So do not think that your data or your company's data has less value to someone outside of your particular business sector. So save, secure that data. And the key thing really that I've talked about many times, and I'll say it here just to reiterate it, the best thing you can do is to educate your employees and educate your family members as to how to stay cyber safe because staying getting cyber smart will keep you cyber safe and that will protect your information the more you understand the threats targeting you the better you can assess your risk and like i say proceed wisely article 2 is from casey ellis from december 27th and the title is Global Cyber Attacks from Nation State Actors Posing Greater Threats. And in 2021, two, I'm sorry, you can pretty much guarantee this is going to be a recurring theme. This is the whole thing I talk about with counterintelligence and cyber trade crap. Nation state actors utilizing cybercrime activities to do things to benefit their country. So the So this is from Casey Ellis. I'm reading from his article. The macro trend I'm most alarmed by today is the fact that attackers don't seem to care about getting caught anymore. And that is for damn sure because certainly very few people are being prosecuted for any of this. And that's another uh, truth besides people don't think they'll be victims, is that it's very hard for anyone to ever come to justice for any of these things. It does happen on occasion, but it's very hard because it's, you know, obviously Russia, China, Iran are not going to send their cyber attackers to the United States to be tried. But anyway, continuing with the article, we have seen an increase in temerity of attacks by nation states, such as the Russian attack on solar winds and seen their attack tactics shift from targeted stealthy operations into opportunistic hacks for potential future uses, such as the attacks attributed to hafnium. Such abrasion approach hasn't been a common tactic of nation-states in the past, but now seems to be the status quo. In part, this trend may also be due to a destabilization of the international relations climate stemming from COVID-19 as well as work-from-home forcing core business services out onto the Internet to facilitate employee access." Broadly speaking, we should see China as a rising cybersecurity threat on the international stage. That has been the case for some time in terms of their economic, defense, and military posture. But 2021 has quite clearly demonstrated that the relationship has deteriorated into a sort of Cold War with espionage playing out in the cyber domain. And that is absolutely correct, not just with China, but also with Russia. And I've been saying this for 13 years. China is bad. China, there is... The and I'm not going to get political here, but the fact that we do not have a stricter and more telling um, posture against China cyber attacks is very disheartening in the sense that they continue to do this. Now, you can say that in 2014 or somewhere in there that former President Barack Obama and Xi Jinping promised not to hack each other. And let's be honest, neither one of them probably uh, or really have followed that particular promise. China continues to attack the US government entities and private entities at a at a at a scale that is really unprecedented. Russia is starting to dive into more publicly anyway, the private firm. Uh, for a private company realm in the sense that they are no longer being quiet about what they do. I used to give an analogy in presentations. If you want to know who hacked you, if you think about the room you're in as a network with all sorts of data, if you came in tomorrow and the room was empty, China was there. If you came in tomorrow and a pencil in the corner was gone, Russia was there. And if you came in and it was on fire... Iran was there. Now, that was more of a joke than anything else, but the point is made that China takes everything. China goes in and vacuums as much data out as they can, and they try to figure out what they have afterwards. Russia, in the past, was very stealthy as far as trying to find the exact thing they're looking for and make it hard for anyone to determine it's been taken. And Iran is, you know... That particular analogy, probably not the most correct in that they burn everything down, but certainly they would look to do damage to networks, but they certainly steal it like China and Russia does as well. But you're going to see in 2022 a much larger public attack surface that these nation states are going to do simply because they realize there is no current... um, negative impact that they have when they do it. Russia is most famous for all the ransomware attacks. We are not seeing ransomware obviously going down. And so one thing that this particular writer, Casey Ellis, makes in his article, which is I think the best thing, is people and companies need to get their heads out of the security stand Or sand, rather, perhaps the most encouraging trend of all for 2022 or going 2021 going into 2022 may be the disruption of indifference to the security problem that have seen we have seen from leaders of organizations across all types of industries and regions. 2021 has very clearly demonstrated that the cyber boogeyman is real and active and could attack them next. So he does point out that many organizations are still stuck in ostrich risk management, hoping that by burying their heads in the sand, ignoring the problem, it'll cease to matter. It goes back to the whole, no one thinks that it'll happen to them. It's going to happen to everybody. You have to take security into account. You have to educate your users as the first line of defense to protect the data so they don't open links they're not supposed to, don't click on, on documents or PDFs that are suspicious, don't go to websites they're not supposed to. All those things have to be taken into account to protect your home networks. Last article is by a gentleman named Amir Lakhani, and the title is Why the Risk in Cyber Recon Mean What the Re- Rise in Cyber Recon Means for Your Security Strategy. And this is something important that companies need to really take note of is that bad guys, for the most part, don't just accidentally fall on your network. Now, it does happen, certainly. There's a large person, I mean, 90% of the cases the FBI ever worked as far as cyber security goes. Um, I'm sorry. As far as cybercrime goes started with some kind of um, email attack in the sense that there was a website link or there was a document that they opened that caused a, some kind of problem to occur. So that's certainly the case, but for the most part, bad guys do reconnaissance on networks looking for vulnerabilities that they can exploit that they don't have to use email for. So, As we moved, this is from the article, as we move into 2022, bad actors are ramping up their reconnaissance efforts to ensure more successful and more impactful cyber attacks. And that means more zero-day exploits on the horizon. So what a zero-day exploit is, it's an exploit that has been discovered that has no common solution. In other words, your antivirus is not going to detect it. Your intrusion detection, likely not going to detect it. The zero-day will work without Um, much problem because the particular security issue has not been patched. So when seen through an attack chain, such as the MITRE attack framework campaigns are frequently discussed in terms of left-hand and right-hand phases of threats on the left side of the attack chain, are pre-attack efforts, which include planning development and weaponization strategies. The more familiar execution phase of attack is on the right side, such as building and launching malware to corrupt systems, steal data or hold networks hostage. So, What this particular author is noting is that more bad guys, more advanced persistent threats are spending more time doing reconnaissance. So what does this mean for you as a company? Well, the first thing it really means is you need to find sources of intelligence that can share with you information about particular new attack variables. What are bad guys targeting your industry doing to get into networks and vulnerable networks to do the bad things that they do. One of the things we have here in Huntsville is is an information-sharing organization that shares threat intelligence amongst the clear defense community. I'm not going to get into details on how necessarily they do that, but it is very valuable from an intelligence perspective standpoint, and they look for reconnaissance activity. And this is what all companies should do, have the ability to look for reconnaissance, look for areas where bad guys are seeking your information or, or staging information, looking for vulnerabilities on your network. Now, obviously, you want to make sure you secure vulnerabilities. And I know that DHS and the FBI frequently put out vulnerability intelligence documents that tell you what bad guys are targeting. So look for those, get access to them, get them sent to you as often as possible. Get those indicators of compromise so you can update your networks and protect them from the bad guys are targeting you because again if you understand the threats targeting you you can assess your risk you can proceed wisely and that is going to do it for episode 61 the first episode of 2022 for the cyber guy podcast i appreciate you taking the time to listen i appreciate those of you who let their friends know and help download and you know improve the podcast as we go forward feel free to email me darren at the cyberguy.com. Cyber spelled C-Y-B-U-R. I respond to every email I get. Know that knowledge is protection. As you go through your week, make sure you understand the threats targeting you so you can assess your risk. Proceed wisely. And we will talk to you soon. Hopefully next episode, we'll have some, uh, I'll have a guest on to, so you don't have to listen to me the whole time. But again, I appreciate you taking the time. Have a good week. Enjoy the new year.